Thanks for popping on your headphones and joining us for an episode of Ballsy History, a podcast about big personalities and little-known stories. Settle in for a tour of the outrageous acts, incredible stories, and outsized characters that shape history. We're your hosts, Elizabeth, Elise, Elliot, and Maureen. We're glad you're tuning in. Today on our show, we'll learn how the New York Times' very first scientific reporter found himself in the middle of one of the greatest scientific feuds of modern age. A disagreement between two Nobel Prize-winning scientists center not only around the nature and origin of cosmic rays, but also whether God was still on the job. Their clash made newspaper headlines and defined the debate about the nature of cosmic rays, while revealing the very human side of superstar scientists to the public. In the early years of the 20th century, radioactivity was discovered. Astronomers began to define the true scale and the nature of the universe, and another mystery sprung out of scientific circles the origin of a newly detected form of energy from outer space, known as cosmic rays. Their discovery was like opening a door to the mysteries of creation, while posing questions that, if they could be answered, might explain nearly everything, or reveal God's plans, depending on your spiritual beliefs. William Leonard Lawrence was the first full-time American science journalist, and these rays led to a story about the first scientific proof of the existence of God. Quite a controversy. Although our story today is from the very beginning of Lawrence's reporting career, later in life, he won two Pulitzer Prizes and was the official historian of the Manhattan Project. In fact, he was the only journalist to witness the atomic bombing of Nagasaki and coined the iconic term atomic age, which became popular in the 1950s. He also compared the atomic bomb to a monster, which may have influenced movies such as Godzilla. He joined the New York Times in 1930, a time when science reporting was brand new. Scientists were gaining greater visibility and the reporter's important responsibilities included constructing how the public viewed scientists and their work. When Lawrence found himself at the center of one of the first well-publicized scientific feuds, his actions shaped and fed public opinion. Robert Andrews Milliken was Caltech president and a Nobel laureate, one of the most well-known scientists in the U.S. He had won a Nobel Prize by measuring the charge of electrons, but turned his talents to the study of ambient radiation detected in the atmosphere. Scientists discovered that radiation was more intense at higher altitudes, but the source was unknown. In 1925, Milken confirmed these cosmic rays were coming from outer space. Cosmic rays strike our bodies and the objects around us. They are the most energetic particles in the universe, much more powerful than anything humans could produce. But their origins are a mystery. So what exactly were cosmic rays? Millikan thought that they were neutral packets of energy, and few argued with his expertise. 
He said cosmic rays were the birth cries of atoms being born in interstellar space. The implications, of course, were more than scientific. At the time, questions such as the age and size of the universe were still unsettled. Millikan was proposing a vision of a universe that was continually creating and recreating itself forever. Ever since the Scopes trial of 1925, when a Tennessee teacher was prosecuted for teaching evolution, talk of creation, for the general public, invoked talk of God as creator. Millikan was a bit religious and did nothing to discourage these associations. He preferred a universe made by God to a mortal one because, according to the second law of thermodynamics, it would eventually wind down and be overtaken by entropy, or heat death. Scientists who believed the universe would end thought cosmic rays weren't birth cries, but death wails, as atoms inside stars were destroyed. sat at his typewriter, penning one of his first Sunday supplement features. He laid out the story of cosmic rays and the possibilities raised by Millikan's work. Out of the cosmic ray, he fashioned for science a new weapon with which to give battle to the dreadful second law of thermodynamics, according to which the universe must come inevitably to destruction. Millikan's work, gushed Lawrence, may well prove to be the greatest scientific achievement of our age. A signpost somehow pointing the way to the very doorstep of creation's laboratory, in which matter itself is fashioned out of primeval electrons and protons. Three months later, Millikan addressed the American Association for the Advancement of Science, where Lawrence was in attendance, covering the event. This talk contained little Lawrence hadn't heard before, but he dutifully cabled a summary to New York, highlighting the idea presented that cosmic rays are birth cries of atoms being born in space. And this is the first evidence the creator is still on the job. However, the night editor at the New York Times couldn't believe the report coming in from the field. This was, in his opinion, a story about the first scientific proof of the existence of God. He cabled back asking for 4,000 words and the full text of the speech. Lawrence thought it strange, but completed his filing and went to bed. The next morning, one of the lead headlines on the page read, Millikan finds creation still goes on while creator directs the universe. With the subhead, belief in evolution does not conflict with religion, Millikan tells scientists at Cleveland. It was the story of the century, science finds God. Arthur Compton was one of Millikan's former students, and the stories about cosmic rays and everlasting creation didn't feel right to him. After all, nobody really knew if cosmic rays were photons of light or charged particles. If he could show a link between latitude and cosmic ray intensity, it would help settle the question. Charged particles would be guided by the Earth's magnetic field, leading to differences in the flux of cosmic rays at both the poles and lower latitude. Compton decided to measure cosmic rays globally, setting up detection devices from the Arctic to New Zealand. In September 1932, Compton returned from the Arctic Circle and announced Millikan was wrong. 
There were variations in cosmic ray flux at different latitudes, meaning the rays had charge. Therefore, it was likely they were electrons. Newspaper headlines now stated one Nobel laureate declared publicly another one was wrong. If Millikan was wrong, how did God fit into it? Millikan's response was to head to the Arctic and South America to collect new data. In 1932, he stated his research obtained evidence that latitude did not affect the intensity of the rays. The electrons Compton wrote about were knocked out of atoms in the upper atmosphere by cosmic rays. The two Nobel Prize winners were at odds again, providing fascinating dinner conversations and profitable headlines. As the men dug in deeper, their debates grew in intensity and bitterness. The public understood one of them was wrong, and if one of them was wrong, it meant scientists weren't geniuses who never made mistakes. In December, at the annual AAAS meeting, both Millikan and Compton held a special symposium to present their data. Reporter Lawrence was on hand, ready to report the showdown, in an atmosphere subcharged with drama, in which the human element was by no means lacking, he wrote in the Times. The two protagonists presented their views with the vehemence and fervor of those theoretical debates. When learned men clashed over the number of angels that could dance on the point of a needle. The story appeared under the headline, Millikan retorts hotly to Compton in Cosmic Ray Clash. Millikan retorted with a telegram sent to the Times in which he complained Lawrence had misrepresented scientific facts and blown the differences between him and Compton out of proportion. Disputes between scientists, he thought, were meant to be confined to the strictly scientific venue, not splattered across front pages. The Millikan-Compton controversy was important because it dealt with one of the major scientific questions of the day, the creation and fate of the universe. Further research eventually settled the controversy. Cosmic rays were found to be charged particles, not photons, and the latitude effects were shown to be quite real. Millikan ultimately squared things with Compton, as he did with Lawrence a few months after sending the strongly worded critical telegram. Lawrence continued filing his stories and in 1937 received a Pulitzer Prize. However, this isn't just a story about the past. On September 22nd, 2017, on September 22nd, 2017, a neutrino the most elusive particle in the universe, from a nameless galaxy far beyond the Milky Way, registered with detectors buried deep in the ice of the South Pole. Scientists identified the source as a supermassive black hole at the center of a far-off galaxy and a possible source of some types of cosmic rays. Millikan and Compton were correct then, in a way. Cosmic rays aren't birth cries or death whales of atoms but they do provide insight into black holes, their galaxies, and into the deep paths, perhaps even into the birth of the universe. If you find cosmic rays interesting, you can help detect them by joining the first and only crowdsourced cosmic ray detector by downloading an app that turns your phone into a cosmic ray detector. C-R-A-Y-F-I-S, crayfish was developed by researchers from the Laboratory of Methods for Big Data Analysis. 
It enables astrophysicists around the world to sift through massive amounts of data to help pin down the mysterious origins of ultra-high energy cosmic rays. Let us know in the comments if you try crayfish out. Next up, popcorn saves the movies. During the Great Depression, it wasn't Gary Cooper or Greta Garbo who helped movie theaters stay financially afloat. It was the humble bag of popcorn that came to the rescue. Learn more about the history of movie theater concessions and see why we ate popcorn at the movies in our next episode. Tune in again soon. Thanks for joining us today.